Thank you for listening to this message from Forward Ministries. We pray it blesses you, encourages you, and inspires grace in you today. You can visit us online at forwardministries.org. But that's what it's about, you know. It's about getting established in your identity in Christ, understanding that there actually is a new covenant, that everything filters through Jesus on this side of the cross, and then we live from that. Amen? And I tell you, a lot of people don't know that. A lot of the world doesn't know that, and unfortunately, a lot of the church doesn't know that. You know, you can listen to the average preacher, and there's just contradictions, and a little bit, I'm going to step back on this statement is Old Covenant, and this statement is New Covenant, and this statement, I got one in both, you know. And I'm not trying to bash, but because I think there is a, an understanding, a, another reformation, a new covenant awakening happening, you know. And I praise God for that. But, but it's, it's not new revelation. It's just the gospel. People just need to hear the gospel. Amen. You know, I've heard it said, oh, yeah, that church is just focusing on foundational stuff. I don't care how, what you say, but we're just going to focus on the gospel because people need to hear it. People don't know. We need to hear it. We forget. So this series that I'm, I'm going to kind of pick back up in is, um, I think I'm calling it Live Forgiven. You know, we forget that we're forgiven. And sometimes Christianity, well-intended, will get you focused on your efforts and get you focused on the outer world and get you focused on the things that really are just fruits of the real issue, and that's what's going on on the inside of you, your heart and your beliefs and all that stuff. And we talk about that kind of stuff all the time. But I've heard it said, and some of you maybe even feel like you've been, your salvation is questioned because people are looking at your sin and saying, I'm not sure you're saved, and it scares the something out of you. Don't raise your hand if you've ever been in that position, but I know a lot of people that have been made to feel that way. It's like, oh... Yeah, if I'm still doing that, I wonder if, I'm, I wonder if I am saved, you know. That is horrific. That is, that, is, that is a spit in the face of Jesus on the cross to put you in a position where you're questioning your salvation. Now, should salvation produce fruit? Yes. Absolutely. Is it okay to continue in sin? No. no. But we're talking about the spiritual truth becoming a reality in your life. See, God's perspective, his view and opinion, his glory is truth. And then we have a reality that may not be in alignment with his truth. In some areas it is, in some areas it isn't. We live in all kinds of made-up realities. Well, she doesn't like me because she didn't say hello to me when she walked down that aisle this morning. Well, maybe she just got off the phone with uh, someone whose <coughs> daughter is in the hospital because she attempted suicide. Maybe it's not about you. The reality is she don't like me because she didn't say anything, but the truth is she just didn't see you. You see, you know what I'm saying? We have all these different realities. Or, or this one, God doesn't love me because he didn't answer my prayer. I, don't, I didn't get that new job. It's like, oh, man, well, that's a tight knot to unwind right there, isn't it? No, God has given you all things that pertain unto life and godliness. He has good plans for you, not plans to harm you. He will lead you and guide you into all truth. He wants you blessed so that you can be a blessing. I'm not talking about Bugattis and mansions. We're talking about you experiencing the righteousness of God. 
the, the leading and the, and, the, and the influence of God in your life. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to kind of, you know, I'm less interested in teaching today because I just got some things on my heart. Um, but just as a quick review to kind of set the stage for where we're going to go for probably the next two weeks, and then we'll finish this series. But let's look at the um, Hebrews passage there, Janine. And if you want to flip over, Hebrews 9 is where we're going. But as she gets that up, you can flip over to, in your iPhone to Hebrews 9. The, the, who's got a physical Bible? Wave it at me. Let me see. All right. I like it. <laughs> no, okay, there we go. All right. So, you know, we started this on Easter, uh, maybe the week before. But you remember when Jesus came up out of the grave and he said, don't touch me, I've not yet ascended to my Father? That wasn't a gender thing. That was, he had not yet offered his own blood as a sacrifice for the sin of the world before his Father. The model is, under the old covenant Levitical priesthood, the priest, the high priest, on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, would sacrifice the the goat, one goat would be sent out as the scapegoat. He'd sacrifice the other goat. He'd catch the blood, and he'd walk through all the people into the heavenly holy of holies, and he'd offer the blood for the sins of the nation of Israel. And he would say, don't touch me. I've not yet offered the blood. That's what Jesus was doing. He was taking, this is, where, this is what was happening when he came up out of that grave for the first time, and he told Mary, who he'd let pour oil all over his feet. And remember, just shortly hereafter, he shows back up, and he says, Thomas, touch me. So it's not about he don't want to be touched in his resurrection form or he don't want a woman touching him. This is what's happening. But Christ came as a high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but his own blood. You know, God gave you an imagination for a reason. Can you see that? You know, you've got the angels flying around the throne of God. Holy, holy are you, God. The whole earth is filled with your glory, they're saying. I mean, it's a commotion. It's a ruckus happening around the throne of God, and they're all focused on God, and all they see is his glory being poured out. They see his goodness. They see his majesty, and Jesus walks right into the middle of that, the lamb. Do you see it? With his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. Say for me. Amen. Next verse. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, meaning under the old covenant, there was a temporary sprinkling, a temporary covering of your sin. How much more? Say more. more. Much more. I mean, this stuff gets me excited. Shall the blood of... Because if people know this... Amen. How much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? See, we know that he cleansed us inwardly. We know that we are regenerated or we are born of the Spirit, born again, however you want to say it. So you get his Spirit. 
When you didn't believe, you were dead and cut off, separated from him, dead in your sin. You didn't have his spirit. Now that you are alive in Christ, his spirit is in you. Say, his spirit is in me. And it's in there because he did a work with his blood inside it. Really, his life, the life is in the blood. So his spirit, his life, the essence that animates Jesus did a work in you and left you joined to Jesus, joined to God, where you now live by the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead resurrection life flowing through every cell of your body to the degree that you will let it happen. It's in your spirit, but by faith you receive it in your heart and let it affect the rest of your life. That, that's, that's our part. Trust, believe, make your heart open to his influence. And then let's jump over to, um, I think it's Second Peter. Again, this is just a little bit of review, and then, and then I'll go where I, what's on my heart today. <clears throat> so, a little bit, there's just a lot before this. What I'm getting to is focusing on the list of the fruits of the Spirit. What you'll notice is that pretty much the same list that we're about to read is reflected in Galatians 5. You know, we read all these different things in the Bible and we think, okay, well, there's this doctrine of the fruits of the Spirit over here in Galatians 5, but you don't really realize that it's actually connected to this. It's kind of the same thing. It's conceptually the same thing. There's a list of things that the Spirit of God desires to and can produce in your life. And these things should be added to your life by His Spirit. Before we get here, He's talking about, you know, grace and His Spirit and the influence of God ultimately producing these fruits, but man-centered or performance-centered religion would say, I don't see these things in my life. I've got to do some fasting to get back close to God again so that I'll reflect who he is. Like, like you're made to feel like God's out there, and if you do these things, you get closer to him or you feel closer to him. You ever been yeah. in that? Yeah. That's a lie. You're one with God. These things should be reflected in your life, but if they're not, why? And, that's, and we talked about this, but it's so fascinating. If you are not displaying the fruits of the Spirit in your life, there's a reason, and he tells us so. But also for this reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. Now, can you see where it's similar to Galatians 5, where it's fruits of the Spirit? You know, I'm not trying to stretch that, make up a doctrine, but, it, but I, I, want to, I want you to understand, I'm not just trying to figure out all these different doctrines. They're, they're saying the same thing in lots of areas. So if you're adding all, so add to your faith all that stuff, all those behaviors, all those tendencies, all those character attributes. Next verse. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things, so if you're not doing the stuff, if you're not seeing the fruit, then you got to fast and get more holy. you got to give a bigger check. Why? So he who lacks these things 
even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. I'm just reading the Bible. But what's so revolutionary about this is it's like paradoxically opposite of what man-centered religion teaches. Because what this is saying is that because you are already forgiven, you should be displaying these attributes. You should be resting in your oneness and completeness and purity before the Father to the degree that that blood has even cleansed your conscience, that guilt sense that you feel for not exercising self-control. Now, see, we're not saying just go ahead and pitch a fit and don't feel guilty about it. Nobody would say that. No, no preacher would actually say that. It's kind of thought that that's what's being said in some circles, but it, that doesn't, that's silly. The issue is, if you are not living the way that you know that God desires for you to live and the way that you want to live and reflecting the character of God and being moved by His Spirit and influenced by His desires, you've probably forgotten that you're forgiven. You may have forgotten that you've been cleansed. See, because the strength of the law or the strength of sin is the law. So when you feel like you've missed it and you feel guilty about it, it's almost like that vexation of guilt compels you to, comp to repeat the behaviors over and over. Pull that down for just a minute because this, this is where I'm going. You know, if you don't know that you're forgiven and you're walking around with a sense of guilt and shame, that guilt and shame is an incredibly powerful motivator. And it will, fill, it will, with no logic whatsoever, it will build a condition or a perspective within your mind, that guilt and that shame, because of that stuff that you're carrying around. And it will drive you back right back into that same behavior over and over. Have you ever woken up one morning and thought, why did I do that again? I hate that. <laughs> or you go deeper. The counselor's in the room dealing with abuse. The abused turns into the abuser. It's often, it often happens. You see it in a particular area of society right now. You're not born that way. The percentages are staggering of abuse in certain circles. And you hate it so much, that, and it's like a vexation that we're, because that emotional reality is in there and those feelings and those, that stuff that's in there, it's still creating such a sense of emotion within you, and it just, it's like it drives you back into it. That's called a vexation. You're vexed with what happened to you, and you continue to rehearse it in your mind, and you let yourself feel it, and you run it over and over, and it creates your sense of identity, and then you make those choices, and it's totally, totally illogical and contrary to your righteous nature. And so you stand there and you think, I am worthless. Maybe I'm not even saved because I keep doing this stuff. No, you just forgot you're forgiven. Well, you got you to gotta get them to repent. Okay, well, let's do that. Repent just means change your mind. Yes, it means turn toward from sin, from sin, but change the way that you're thinking. We are transformed by the renewing of our mind. That's where it starts. And you take the truth, and you meditate on it, and you make it your own, and you feel it. You know, it's not an introspection. 
it, it's a reprogramming. I don't like going and doing all that inner stuff and thinking about myself. And Well, that's, that's very self-centered worship that y'all got going on there, that you're looking inside and trying to blah, 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 blah. It's like, no, it's really not. It's getting myself out of the center and putting Jesus at the center so I will naturally be influenced by him. Because if we don't, it drives us into lifestyle choices or just behavioral repetitions that we hate. And the world, the carnal world, is designed to reinforce that stuff. Huh? <laughs> We're recording it. We are recording, right? Okay, yeah. Now, I want to go into a couple things here. I'm not going to go long. I don't think. I might go long, but these are just some things that are on my heart, you know, this past week. And it's, a, it's personal to me because it's put, it's put a, it reminded me of my old mindset before Christ and a lot of old friends and a lot of experiences that I had and all this stuff. But this week, how many of you have heard of the band Soundgarden? Yeah, you've heard of the story. Um, the singer Chris Cornell who is like a king among men, you know, I mean, this guy looks just, you know, he's a pretty man, let's just say, he's, he's a good looking man, and, and he sings, you know, he's just like, he's just a, he's an incredible talent, right, huh, he's just cute, she said, yeah, and if you watch interviews, he's kind, and he's sweet, and, and he has children, and his wife loves him, and, and he makes killer music, you know, good music, let's say, at least for my generation, like, you know, can handle it or like that kind of stuff. But, well, so he, Soundgarden got back together. And, uh, you know, it's, if you don't know, they're a, like a grunge band out of Seattle from the 90s, that whole scene back then. And a lot of those guys are dead, either drug overdose or suicide or something, you know. <clears throat> and the story is with him that he was found in his bathroom. Um, he'd taken his own life. And, you know, what's, what made it eerie and odd, and there's video footage of it, and, and it's, it's haunting and disturbing, really, but during the last song of his last performance, and he had, he had the, night the night of, just, just hours, one or two hours before he actually took his own life, he added, which he used to do quite a bit, he would add a phrase of another song into like an extended version of a song. Well, he adds a phrase from Led Zeppelin, In My Time of Dying. Now, if you aren't familiar with it, um, the phrase is, uh, the, the one that really stands out to me is, if my wings should fail me, Lord, please meet me with another prayer. In my time of dying, Jesus is going to make up my dying bed so I can die easy. And he's dead just a short time later. I mean, it's a little odd. It's a little strange. He had added that to his lyric before, but and I'll just kind of peel back my heart a little bit. I, you know, my mom's in the room. Love you, mom. She doesn't like it when I say this, but, you know, didn't really have church influence in my life. Went a few times when I was a kid, but church was not our thing. And so when I started trying to find the Lord after a crazy substance abuse experience and thinking that, you know, we just, that it, when you die, you just kind of... Now, in this part, 
I'm, I, this is the part that's moving for me because I'm thinking about all the people that are around us that don't know Jesus or if they've heard about Jesus, they don't know the gospel. I didn't know the gospel. And I found myself, and it, it's, it's funny, but literally, I found myself sitting on our roof, smoking pot, looking up to the sky, hoping that aliens would come pick me up and take me on a ride. <laughs> like you do. You've been on that ride once or twice, yeah. <laughs> There's a few of us, yeah. This church, we seem to attract that kind of background. <laughs> I was a teenager. I was in high school during that time. So, but I had this experience, and I wrote about it in a book. We have it in the bookstore. We'll give you one. I love giving that book away. We got a bunch of them. But when I started seeking God, and again, I'm not just telling you my story. I want you to realize there are people around you thinking this way. There are people in your family, in your school, at your work thinking this way. They're searching. They don't know. They're, they're looking for anything. God will use anything. Mm-hmm. And if you can, if, you know, just, just be willing. Amen. Say, God, use me. Amen. Just be willing. You don't have to give them a discourse on systematic theology. But you can tell people, you know what? God loves you. Amen. God came, became a human to take your yeah. darkness and destroy it. So you could be free. You can tell them that. Amen. So this song was, I was a Zeppelin fan. You know, we listened to a lot of Zeppelin. And and this song, those lyrics, I remember listening to that song when I was trying to find my way after being woken up to the spiritual world. That song brought incredible comfort to me. I mean, as morbid as it might sound to you, It's actually an old gospel song, but for me, it was like, oh, man, yes, Jesus, my dying bed. Yeah, and it it brought a sense of comfort, you know, and and it's like, yes, if my wings fail me, meet me with another person. I can't do this, God. I need help. You know, so I'm just, I'm seeing him singing these lyrics, and I'm thinking (laughs) about my past life and how much those kinds of songs meant to me. You know, people ask me, well, how'd you find this message? I'm like, well, it sounds... A, what's the word? I don't know. Personalized revelation or revelatory? I don't know. But people ask me, I'm like, I, Jesus taught me because my experience was not church, didn't have a Bible, had this experience, became aware of Jesus, and was so comforted when I would think about him. And I had no clue that what he was doing to me was actually revealing his true character. My experience with Jesus for the first five years coming out of crazy substance abuse and still not living very well in college was that when I was aware of Jesus, I felt better. And and thinking back now, and I didn't realize this because he didn't try to teach me or tell me things, but my experience with that presence was not condemning, ever. Not one time that I ever feel like... He was angry with me or upset with me or disappointed in me. All I knew is that the, the more I was aware of him, the better life was. As simple as that can be. People don't know that. What people know of Jesus 
is the rules and the laws that the church has given them. Not bashing the church, just saying we're not using love as our motivation in many ways. You know, so I remember during this time, I would hear something like one of their songs, Nobody's Fault But Mine. Got a monkey on my back, nobody's fault but mine. Anybody know that song? You hear the, I don't know, I don't know, you know, anyway. (laughs) That's where I got the theology that God is not creating tests for you. You got yourself in this position, and that's Proverbs. I think Angie posted that proverb this week. It, you know, we make messes of our lives and then get mad at God. No, we get ourselves in these messes. God is not crafting tests as we are traditionally taught to see if you'll pass it to get a cookie from heaven or whatever, you know. <laughs> so I'm, I'm just thinking about all this, and I'm thinking about people, and, and I... You know, I post this thing on Facebook, and it really resonates, and all these old friends from high school start commenting, and it it was just kind of a, you know, a a thing to get out, but it it touched people, and I start thinking, you know what, there are people around us that they just, they don't know Jesus, they don't know God, they don't know the gospel. What if somebody would have stepped into my life and said something or offered me something? You know, how much of a difference would that have made in my life? But then I started thinking about his path and his journey. Here is a man that has millions of dollars, a loving marriage, beautiful children, just got his band back together. I mean, is he on a mission from God? You know, maybe that's another, that's another band, sorry. <laughs> blues, any Blues Brothers? Yeah, all right. Getting the band back together. You know, but he's got everything going for him, and he goes and he takes his own life. Now, there's another part of the story, and his wife is now coming out and... Uh, she said that she talked to him after the show and he was slurring his words and he said, well, yeah, I think I may have accidentally taken an extra Ativan or two, and which Ativan is, from what I read, is anxiety medicine or you take it to um, alleviate substance abuse detox withdrawals. So something was going on where he had this in his system, and one of the side effects of Ativan or Ativan overdose is suicidal thoughts or tendencies. Mm-hmm. So she thinks it was accidental. Can you imagine? I mean, whether it was intentional or a chemically induced response, how tragic. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to kind of veer a little bit into another thing that's on my heart. And hear me, okay? You guys know I'm, I'm not, this is not from a condemning place, but prescription drug use is a, I mean, it's a cancer on the planet, especially in America. Now, I'm not a doctor. I'm not saying quit your meds. I don't understand what your doctor understands and is leading you to. But what I do wonder is, how much of that stuff do you need? These are, my, these are just my thoughts, okay? Take them for what you want. How much of that stuff do you actually need? How much of that stuff could you come off of if you learned, even just this process that we did right after worship, you just learned to meditate on God's truth and change the reality of your inner world to match God's truth, and you start letting yourself be influenced by a real life source that brings real peace not just modifies your emotions chemically so that you feel differently. You know what I mean? And, and if you need them, use them. I'm, I am not, 
you know, this is not a condemnation of prescription drugs. But I just wonder, do your own soul searching. Talk to your doctor. See, you know, am I using this as an idol? Am I using this as a substitute for the power of God in my life? No condemnation. Not trying to say you're doing it wrong. But are you trusting God? When you think about the issue, do you go to God first or you go to the bottle first? Whatever kind of bottle that might be. Right? Because there's a way of living with God under his influence that is just so satisfying. It leaves you whole. To the degree we're like Jesus, I don't even want to eat. I'm so full right now. You know? God was upset with the Israelites over and over and over for idolatry. And we think, oh, well, they're worshiping a golden calf or they whittled a piece of wood into a little statue and they're all bowing down to the statue. And that was a factor. But more of the idolatry that was happening that he was upset with was that they were living under the influence of the ways of foreign gods. They were living under the influence of the ways of carnality in the world rather than living under his influence and living under his ways and his direction. It's idolatry when you live a system of life that is different from where God would lead or that is different from his revealed truth. It's idolatry when we have some type of system to fast-track prosperity. I'm going to work this system right here, and I'm going to get rich. Well, work hard. Find your system, but check your motives. I can't I fly off the handle. When I take this pill, I feel better. Well, take the pill, but why are you flying off the handle? Is it because you can't control yourself? Well, Jesus has a prescription for that. The spirit, self-control. Do you have trouble falling asleep at night? I get that. Please don't hear condemnation in this. This is not what I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to make you walk out of here and feel bad because you need to take a pill. That stuff is valid. It helps. But to what degree do you, is it replacing God in your life? Are you mad at me? Can you receive that? And it's not just prescription drugs. I know of people, you guys know of people that overdosed. And it doesn't take much. You just took a little too much mood-altering drug, and it put you in a place where you thought suicide was a good option or the people that are around you. I mean, that is... Again, I'm not condemning the behavior. It saddens me that our world has been so impacted by carnality to think that that's the stuff that we're dealing with rather than living in this other reality that's God's truth, that the spirit of the living God is active. I mean, when the angels fly around his throne and they look into the earth, they say the whole earth is filled with his glory. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. What do we see when we look at the world? Do we see goodness and God's mercy and kindness, or do we see, I can't deal with that? It's your choice. We are transformed 
by the renewing of our mind. I don't know how that works. Well, then you're carnal in your thinking. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Well, then you're carnal in your thinking. Spiritual thinking would say, I don't know what to do, but I know that God is with me. I don't know how it's going to work out, but I trust that he has. And this is why knowing the Bible is a good idea, because then you pull on all these scriptures. Think on what's true, lovely, good report, you know. Yeah, come to church here. We'll encourage you. This is probably the most condemning message that you'll ever hear from me. What are we depending on? What is it that has made such an impact in your life that you can then take and give to other people? You know, we got a bunch of seasoned Christians, mostly, sitting in this place right here, right now. Uh-oh, where am I going? Where am I going? I'm going to slap the Bible on that one. You know what I mean? Are you hearing me? The world is dying. Now, on the other side of that, I hold to the very real promise and reality and truth that Jesus was cast into the earth like that stone that was cast and destroyed the statue in Daniel's vision. Jesus has been planted into the earth, and to the increase of his kingdom, there will be no end. Amen? Amen? I don't care what happens over any period of time, whether it be seven years or a thousand years or a hundred years or 10,000 years or whatever happens. I don't care who rises up out of the east or the west or the north or the south or does whatever. What I know is that on the other side of that, whatever that is, is the kingdom of God will remain. Amen? Jesus is in the earth, and his kingdom is increasing. I use the word increasing, not necessarily advancing. Advancing to me sounds like a military movement maneuver, you know, where it's like, okay, the enemy is resisting and fighting, and we got to go fight the enemy, and we take territory, and we take ground. But increase to me is he's been planted into the earth and he will increase and grow and, and, and his influence will take over the world. Right. I mean, that may be more pacifist than some of you fighters want to do, but that's just my perspective. I trust that the spirit of the living God is in the earth, Amen. in you. How does his kingdom increase? Do, do this. Take your finger point on And then do this. <laughs> love. It's love. People are dying for love. The person that is the hardcore substance abuser, the hardcore atheist, maybe somebody that's just really, really smart. These are the hard ones. They're so smart that they've reasoned their way out of the need for religion and the Bible is no longer a crutch for them. They're finally free. Those are hard ones. But I'm telling you, inside of them, it is also true that they know that God is real. Romans 1.20, everybody knows. It's been revealed to everybody. Nobody's got an excuse. Everybody knows there's a God in heaven. I don't care how much they protest and say that they don't agree or they're whatever. They know. 
And God knows how to touch inside of them. But it might take you to float that word out there. Now, what if your mind and heart and everything inside of you is just so clouded because you're so distracted by life and you're so full of guilt and shame and your mind is even clouded in your choices that when you walk by somebody and God's going, love on them, and you're like, me, 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 you know. The church is the answer. It just is. The church equipped with the gospel, walking in love, confident in identity, knowing that you're forgiven as the power to keep your mind free from choosing all that death and destruction over and over and over. Truth. I look at Chris and I see truth, you know. It's a big one. I'm just preaching now, you know, I'm trying to figure out how to wrap this thing up, but I'm just, you're not supposed to say that when you're actually preaching. Right? I don't care. I ain't. But this is where we are, right? We've got people that don't know God. We've got ourselves distracted. And, and this is not a dismal picture. This is, to me, it's a very encouraging picture because we know the truth. We know who we are in Christ. We know what the blood of Christ has done. We know what the power of the gospel can do inside of us and inside of our lives and inside of a human mind and heart. We know that the gospel is the power. We know that the good news that God is no longer holding your sin against you. In other words, he's not rehearsing it. It's not how he's relating to you. He's relating to you based on what Jesus did. And he wants you focused on that to the degree that it changes who you think you are and effortlessly produces in your life all that stuff that you've been working really hard to make happen. Even into the realm of miracles and signs and wonders. All of that stuff is just a natural expression of God's design. You know, uh, Janine came in this morning and we had the opportunity to pray over her. And it's like, you know, we don't have to ask God to mystically manifest out of the ether touch her, and then fade back into the unknown. <laughs> he designed her body to heal. Yeah. It's not that hard to understand. Then you couple that with an understanding of Romans 8, that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is giving life to our physical bodies. Man, your body's trying to heal. The spirit of God is giving life to your body. To me... What's left is you just walk out Amen. and your body is reshifted and back into the way it's created to design. You don't need some mystical experience. You just know this is the way God, God wants you well. Yes. He, wouldn't have, he would have designed your body to stay sick. I, I think I'm on point 17 in this sermon now. But. <laughs> But it's just getting in agreement with God's heart for people, for yourself. You know, you know you don't want that stuff in your life. You know you don't want those dependencies. You know you've let those things get bigger than they need to be in your life. But the, the, the reality is, and the, the secret is, don't let it produce the guilt and the shame within you. Get back under the blood, let's say, to the point where your conscience is even cleansed, that you know that you're free before your Father, you know that you stand in right standing before God. 
that you are joined to him, that Jesus' life is actually flowing through you. You've got the Spirit of God in you leading and guiding you. I mean, he's telling you the answers to the test before you ever even get into the life test anyway. That's what his Spirit's doing, setting you up for kingdom living, abundant living, which is ultimately righteousness, peace, and joy being manifest in your life. That's what I want. I want to live in such an awareness and such a real expression of righteousness, peace, and joy that I'm not distracted that when God needs me to love on somebody, I can do it like that in a minute. Not like, yeah, let me call you tomorrow. I don't really feel like doing it right now. Amen. Amen. Now, just think about it for a minute. What is it that spoke to you today? And, and, and what's the action for you? You know, remember, you're forgiven. You're going to live forgiven. You're not going to let that guilt and shame dictate your future. It's time to let it go. Amen? Amen. I want to live with a clear conscience because the blood of Jesus has washed me and left me in that state of holiness before the Father. I'm not going to yield my body to sin to let that stuff keep creeping back in. I'm going to live full of righteousness, peace, and joy. And I'm going to be so at peace that all I see when I leave are opportunities to tell people God loves you. And I can do something about it right now. See, when it comes to evangelism, you might not be able to save somebody from hell, but you might be able to save somebody from hell on earth. God's the judge. He's the one that handles all that. You know, if you think that there's people going to hell because you didn't do enough evangelism, I don't know about that. God's bigger than that. But you might be able to save somebody some hell on earth right now because you can bring them heaven. You can bring them peace. I might just keep going. (laughs) Because that's that's what the world needs, right? Father, we thank you. Jesus, we thank you for the gift of righteousness that's in your life. We say yes. Just say yes. Thank you. Thank you for being obedient to the death of the cross. Thank you for doing a complete work on that cross, becoming my sin, taking all of my darkness, taking the curse of the law, becoming guilt and shame for me, taking my sickness into your own flesh, taking my depression into your soul, taking the effects of all of that and being cut off from God into the grave and then rising again with your own blood and offering that for my eternal redemption. And I say, yes, I enter into union with God through your work. And I yield to you that that truth continues to bear fruit in my heart and my mind and in my life and my emotions and my choices, (laughs) my walk with you, and spills over onto others around me. God, I, I want my mind to be aware of your leading. I want my heart to be, to not be overcharged with what's in the world but to be sensitive and tuned to your voice so that I'm following you, but that I'm letting it flow out to others. Because maybe just one word 
from us can change the course of someone's life toward you. Father, thank you for the opportunity to be ambassadors in your kingdom, carrying the gospel, carrying the good news, bringing life to people so that you would be glorified. It's all about you being glorified.